Welcome to the Root of All Eagles podcast. I'm your host, James Webb. And today on the show, we're going to be breaking down the post-draft for the Philadelphia Eagles. I just got to say straight off the bat, absolutely phenomenal draft by Howie Roseman. He absolutely won the draft, in my opinion. A++ for Howie Roseman in the draft, getting Jalen Carter, getting Nolan Smith, getting so many others that we're going to talk about on this episode. So stay tuned. You're now listening to the Root of All Eagles podcast, where, where, where we break down the latest news about your beloved bird. And now your host, James Webb. Fly, Eagles, fly. Okay, I'll start with this. If the Eagles get back to and win the Super Bowl, there should be a feature-length movie or a documentary about Howie Roseman and the roster he's built in Philly. Let's not forget that a couple of years ago, Howie was getting flamed very publicly by Eagles fans and the mass media for what was considered poor roster management, and the Jalen Hurts pick itself was totally ridiculed. Fast forward a few seasons, and here we are, having made a Super Bowl appearance just a couple of months ago, also having won a Super Bowl five years ago, and now having had one of the best drafts of the year, in my opinion, probably the best draft out of any team in the NFL this season. Before we jump into that, there were a couple of moves prior to the draft commencing, that I just wanted to highlight. The first is the addition of Matt Patricia to the coaching staff. He'll be a defensive assistant and brings a wealth of experience into the staff. Things didn't really work out for him as a head coach, but he does have a great defensive mind and has contributed to some truly great teams in New England over the years. Patricia has been with the Patriots had been with the Patriots for over 15 years and earned a head coaching opportunity in Detroit before heading back to New England after his time with the Lions. Nick Sirianni said he was looking forward to having an experienced guy to bounce ideas off of. One of the things to note is Patricia's very public falling out with cornerback Darius Slay in Detroit. Slay spoke of several incidents that led to the ugly relationship between the two, one of which involved Patricia humiliating Slay in front of his teammates by calling him out for a social media post in which he was praising one of his offensive teammates. Sirianni said he had addressed the hire with the two men prior to announcing it, and then he expected it to be a smooth situation going forward. Oh, and the other one was the signing of former Falcons rideout Olamadi Zacchaeus which I think personally spells the end of the Quez Watkins experiment as the third option receiver slash slot guy. Bringing in Zacchaeus prior to the draft meant we really didn't need to look for a wideout in the draft. He just had a career season with the Falcons, Zacchaeus did, with 533 yards, three touchdowns, and he can offer great value for us with depth behind AJ and Devante. This was kind of a sneaky pickup that didn't get a lot of airtime or headlines, but it is one that once again makes us better with an upgrade over one of our depth spots. I don't know what it means for Quez Watkins moving forward. I wonder if he could be traded, but it won't be for a lot. 
we might be better off keeping him around and hoping that adding another wideout will fire him up a little to compete. Moving on to this weekend's draft, and here's the thing. The Eagles had no business drafting as well as they did. They had no business having a top 10 pick in the draft, let alone two in the first round, and then being the first to pounce on a suddenly available running back who fits what the Eagles are looking for in the backfield. What we just witnessed this past weekend was a masterclass, and we're breaking it down here and now. Let's go through it as it unfolded. Was Bijan the plan at pick 10? Very possibly. Whether it's denied or not, I believe there's a real possibility the Eagles would have happily hung around at pick 10 and selected Bijan had he been available. What we didn't expect to see was the Atlanta Falcons luring him off the board at pick number eight. And when they did, then Philly pivoted almost immediately. There was very little risk of the Bears taking Bijan, and so no need to jump above them or anyone else to select him. When he was gone, Jalen Carter was obviously the option. And to avoid any risk that the Bears picked him right in front of our faces, we jumped above them to secure the pick. So let's talk about Jalen Carter. We have a stacked defensive line going into this season, but the guys on the interior are of a similar mold. Both Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis are bigger body guys who line up over the center to shut down running lanes and apply pressure up the middle. Javon Hargrave was the complementary piece to that role, and we allowed him to sign a mega deal in San Francisco. When we go into the draft and replace Hargrave with a rookie on a rookie deal for what, almost a third of the price? Davis is going to get more playing time this season, but Jalen Carter is going to be the name you hear more often during the games. He's a versatile weapon who can line up in the middle spots and offer the Eagles front multiple looks against the offense. Carter is an extremely talented, powerful defensive lineman who impressed this season but has such a high ceiling, the sky's the limit for him in the league. I think he gets plenty of playing time in year one, and I think you see him pop up in multiple spots too, giving offensive linemen fits and trying to block and account for him for 60 minutes. Of course, Carter is a former teammate of Jordan Davis's too, and Davis is apparently like the older brother figure to him. The two together became the future of our defensive line with the inevitable of both Brandon Graham and Fletch nearing the end of their careers. And then at the end of the first round, as we waited patiently for the rest of the round to unfold, Nolan Smith just dropped comfortably into our laps. What? Let's clear this up for a second. There were a ton of Eagles fans and insiders and pundits who made very real cases for Nolan Smith to be our first round selection at pick number 10. He was graded inside the first half of the first round by just about everybody, and yet he dropped out of the top 20, and as the picks rolled on, he continued to fall as our pick got closer and closer to the front of the queue. I honestly couldn't believe he was still there. Perhaps the reason for him falling is a question of where he fits at the next level. He kind of falls between the cracks of a pure edge rusher and a stand-up outside linebacker, but his athletic profile is almost a perfect match with Hassan Reddick, who was plugged into the wrong scheme in the wrong position in Arizona for several years, and the Eagles' defense turned him into an all-pro immediately. So while other teams might not have valued his size and frame in their defensive scheme, 
He's a great fit for us. Speed and athleticism coming off the edge. And while he's a little undersized from what I've seen, he's an exceptional run defender. Adding him to a group that already contains Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, and Reddick is outstanding. We have starting caliber depth on both sides of the defensive edge and players who are young that can develop into the number one starting role over time. Howie is building a roster that can win right now while also securing the longevity of the franchise all at the same time. Retooling in positions with aging players and adding a ton of depth. He's also picking winners, proven winners. That is something he leaned into lately. Think about Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith. Alabama players spend a lot of time in a winning culture under Nick Saban. They understand the grind and what it takes to end up on top. Then defensively, he's dipped into the Georgia Bulldogs talent pool relentlessly over the past two years. Again, players who have fought to win and felt success at the college level, Jordan Davis and N'Kobe Dean last year, and now Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo, all from the same class out of Georgia. I expected to see how we go after some offensive line depth at some point in this year's draft, as we talked about on the podcast prior to the draft going live. We needed players who can make an impact and contribute in year one with both first round picks. And how we even mentioned it in the press conference leading up to the draft, he said that the Eagles were looking for unique players. And we've talked about it on our podcast where with those two picks, we needed to have players that could contribute right away. And boy, did Howie deliver. We did that with flying colors, arguably getting two of the top 10 defensive players available with the 10 and the 30th pick. Doing that gave us a lot of freedom with the rest of our picks in this year's draft, with the most likely needs at that point being running back, offensive line, and safety. So what does Howie do? Address all three, and with exceptional value too. In the second round, Philly selected Tyler Steen out of Alabama, another winning program, and Steen has everything you'd want to develop into a starter in the NFL. He's six foot six, 320 pounds with an athletic profile and the ability to block in space. One of the most glaring positives of his pre-draft analysis was his lateral movement and range. You'll see it on scouting reports time and time again. He's likely the planned future for the right tackle spot, developing as a pass blocking right tackle to protect Jalen Hurts. I'm not sure we'll see much of him as a rookie, but he's got some areas to develop, including his impact in the run game and core strength. Steen needs to muscle up a little bit to win as a run blocker, but on the backside of the line, he could see some reps and pass protection this year. Over time, if developed properly, the Eagles got a franchise right tackle in the late second round, and I'm perfectly happy with that. Then we went safety. Sidney Brown out of Illinois, a team that had an exceptional run defense in 2022, and one of the best coverage grades in all of college football, there were multiple guys coming out of Illinois with glowing defensive grades, including Brown's teammate, Devin Witherspoon, who was drafted fifth overall by the Seattle Seahawks. The defensive coordinator at Illinois has received a lot of praise for his efforts this season. Aaron Henry was promoted from the team's defensive back coach to defensive coordinator prior to the season so is largely responsible for developing the Illinois defensive backs into the players they've become. Henry spoke glowingly of Sidney Brown too. He said he was from a different planet 
and that he'd take 100 Sidney Browns. His former coach spoke of his ability to get to the football and how willing he is to contribute as well as his continued development through the 2022 season. The Eagles needed versatile safeties to replace the likes of C.J. Garner-Johnson, Marcus Epps, and Brown will fill one of those roles. He's really dynamic, plays the ball well through the air, and is a very willing tackler too. He can come downhill well, and he's crazy athletic. I believe he was a former track athlete in high school, so he's probably going to align more in Epps' former role as the single high safety and coverage guy on the back end. He had six picks in 2022, seven pass deflections, and 43 tackles. I'm a big fan, and again, addressing a key need. I think we could see a lot out of this guy in year one. Then we moved on to day three, and I was thinking at this point that we'd go after a free agent running back and let him compete with Rashad Penny for reps. We didn't need somebody like Derrick Henry. I felt that would be a waste because he's not going to get 25-plus carries a game in our offense. I was also thinking about Austin Eckler, but he'd have wanted a new deal and just as much money as Miles Sanders got in leaving the Eagles to go to Carolina. Dalvin Cook has some shoulder issues that are hard to ignore, so I was scouring the market for the next best option. However, when the Lions surprisingly drafted Jameer Gibbs 12th overall in the first round, question marks around DeAndre Swift's future quickly popped up all around the league in social media. The Lions had just signed and paid David Montgomery, and adding Gibbs felt like an odd move with two talented backs already on the roster. Word is that the Lions loved Gibbs so much they were willing to draft him at 6, but eventually got him at 12 after trading back out of the top 10. So then Swift was suddenly available, and who acted first? Ski Mass Howie, obviously. We shouldn't expect any less at this point. We gave up a 4th and a 7th round pick for Swift and received the Lions 7th round pick back. So it was basically a fourth round selection for the former Georgia Bulldog who was selected early in the second round back in the 2020 draft. In my mind, DeAndre Swift can do everything Miles Sanders has done for us in the last four years. I've heard fans say often that Swift has never had a 1,000 yard season. And yeah, that's right. He only had three games this past season with 10 plus carries. He's not going to give you 22 carries for 150 yards a game. That's not what he does. But what he does do, and does very well, is offer a dangerous threat in the passing game out of the backfield, with good speed and after-the-catch ability. Swift had 70 targets in 2022 with 48 catches for almost 400 yards and three touchdowns. He's far more productive as a pass catcher than Sanders was, and that to me spells out that Penny will be the runner and Swift will be the hybrid who could get a ton of touches in the pass game. I think it's a little rough for Kenneth Gainwell as he could have maybe stepped into a bigger role. He'll still get touches, but Swift's arrival likely caps those opportunities. I love it though, and look at the financials. This is one of the key reasons we are able to build the roster we have. Howie and the front office are being so smart with the salary cap, and part of that meant unfortunately letting Miles Sanders go and trying to find the same level of production for less money. So if you think about it, Sanders is now getting an annual salary of around $6.5 million in Carolina, 
We're paying Penny and Swift a combined 2.8 roughly. It's not a major amount of money saved, but it makes a big difference and it's smart work with the construction of the roster. Keely Ringo came in with the fourth round pick, a corner who was expected to be one of the first taken in this year's draft prior to the season that lost a little momentum as the season went on. He's got great prototypical size at the next level, coming in at 6 foot 2, 210 pounds, and he's an upside pick. We are completely stacked at corner right now. We have Slay and Bradbury as legitimate elite level starters, and then Maddox and Greedy Williams add depth to that. But Ringo should fight and win reps over both or at least one of them as the year goes on. Even after a disappointing season for the prospect that he is, Ringo was expected to be an early day two pick by many. He drops to round four. The upside is immense and how he swoops in for the best player available having already addressed our key needs. He's a former five-star recruit. He has all the tools. Once again, comes from Georgia, winning program mentality, SEC competitiveness, and with the right coaching, he can grow into a starting role. Similar to the Jordan Davis and N'Kobe Dean picks last year, there's no need for them to play him right away. He isn't going to have to start. He can compete and learn his reps. And hopefully, he's ready to jump into the starting lineup when Bradbury or Slay move on, which is, again, forward-thinking and will save a ton of cap space on a talented corner. I wasn't at all surprised to see us go for a quarterback in the six. Every team punts on a late-round quarterback these days, and nobody is more willing to swing the bat than Howie Roseman is. Tanner McKee out of Stanford was the pick. I don't expect to see much out of him, obviously. He's a pocket passer whose production in college was okay. Nothing special, but it's the Brock Purdy effect. The amount of teams who used fifths, sixth round selections on quarterbacks just in case they hit was increased this year for sure. Then to round out the draft, we go for Toro Ojimo in round seven, a smart high IQ defensive end with five years of experience who can add depth as a pass rusher and compete for some reps in training camp. Overall, it's one of the greatest drafts I've ever seen. Of course, the players have to prove their value and live up to the hype on the field, but on paper, we hit in every direction you look. We added great value in the backfield with a pro-level running back rather than going for a rookie. It cost us a day three pick, and I absolutely love it. We added two defensive starters from a winning program who can contribute right away, which is exactly what we needed, with stunning value in Nolan Smith at the back end of the first round. Then there's depth at offensive line and corner, both of who we were most definitely drafted with the vision to become long-term starters and a safety in Sidney Brown that I think the fans will grow to love in a hurry. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, the construction of this team deserves to be a documentary. NFL Network, shout out to you. If you want me to come up with the documentary, let me know. In all seriousness, though. From drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round, a guy that so many doubted at the next level, but the Eagles had a vision for, and then building a winning roster around his talents and the things he does well, letting him lean into his skill set and develop perfectly in the NFL. The Eagles roster is stacked, and there's not a team in the NFC that matched the quality of our draft either. 
If the Eagles are hoping to return to the Super Bowl again this season, they certainly went about it the right way in the draft. I'm not sure you could have asked for anything better if we replayed the week out again 100 times over. Hats off to Howie and the front office for doing months of work on this year's class and nailing it when the draft came around. It's going to be a fun year in Philly. Thanks so much for listening to the Root of All Eagles post-draft podcast. If you like what you heard today, please go ahead and comment and subscribe to the show. We are available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you stream your podcast from. And also follow us on Twitter, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for checking out another episode of Root of All Eagles podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Root of All Eagles, and make sure you stay tuned for the next episode.